Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Jeremy. Yo, VIP. Let's kick it. And listen, I sit back with my brand new invention. Something grabs a hold of me tightly, flow like a harpoon daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Turn off the lights and I'll glow to the extreme. I rock a mic like a vandal, light up a stage and wax a chump like a. Are you ready this week for X Men number 18? I am completely ill prepared for this. Uh oh. <laughs> so it's all on your shoulders. Oh, man. <laughs> this is the March 1966 issue. Uh, issue number 18 from March, as you said. On the cover, we see our mystery villain, who was revealed at the last page of the last issue, Magneto, somehow magnetically blasting Iceman. With what looks like some sort of magnetic shower. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> and the X-Men, the other X-Men, are just little heads in space floating around, hoping that Iceman will save them. Hmm. This... This this marks the first absolutely terrible cover. <laughs> you think so? I don't think it's yeah yeah. I, yeah, I don't. Yeah. Like it. <laughs> it's a uh, it's very generic. Yes, In, it's, yes, I think it's the first very generic cover where somebody just cranked out a drawing really quickly. But it captures okay. what this story is all about, sort of. But yeah, right. that's true. There's that's true. It does. There's something missing from it that was kind of uh, in the other issues. So all right. It looks hastily sketched together. Well, as we'll see, maybe maybe most of the story is also hastily thrown together. <laughs> One can hope not. This was uh, a fair story. Oh, it's called If Iceman Should Fail, dot, dot, exclamation point. I think one thing that's important to note about almost every um, title is that they've contained some level of punctuation. This punctuation seems to be uh, a broken M dash, which I guess is an N dash. Uh, and an exclamation mark. Oh, I looked at it as like a uh, partial ellipse. Yeah, but the, the the dots are too high. Oh, you're right. You're right. Maybe it's a misprint. <laughs> yeah. All right. So anyways, the story was written by Stan Lee and adequately drawn by Jay Gavin and tolerably inked by Dick Ayers. I think somebody in the Marvel bullpen was feeling a little left out, so he gets the world's greatest lettering by Artie Simic. Oh, and it's also his birthday, apparently. Yeah, this month is his birthday. So there you go. Everybody well, takes not, a- not this much that you not this month that you're reading it, fair listener, unless you're <laughs> listening to it in March, which is possible. And if you're listening to it in March, then you know you got a lot of episodes to catch up on. But that's okay. <laughs> we accept you. We love you. Mm-hmm. You might be our biggest fan. Please come we back for know. more. And so we start off with what looks like a metal ball. Uh, floating in the stratosphere. It's a gondola. It is a gondola. And there's apparently a window, but it doesn't look too much like a window to me. Actually, when I first look at this panel, if you, if you, if you, don't, if you ignore all the text and the story from last week, you would think that they are actually dead, <laughs> in, floating <laughs> in space in a metal ball with an opening uh, in it. And at any moment, they're going to float out and uh, in and around space. Which reminds me of our question last issue. Why aren't they dead? <laughs> so, there you go. Um, there's a lot of words here, but basically they're, they're, they're high above the earth floating in a gondola. See, I assumed that this was like a, a cross-section and they had just removed the 
part of the panel that we didn't need to see, but that it was actually there. Mm-hmm. Well, as we'll discover um, later, it's an actual window, I believe. I'm going to pretend like it isn't. Plus, there's rivets all the way around the hole. I mean, come on, that's a lot of detail for a cross-section. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, that's where they where the top goes on. Oh, okay. <laughs> so inside the gondola, everybody is still passed out on the second page. And well below, uh, Magneto is raising his fist. He's gi- I have returned, he says. And, He's given and a, good, a-, uh, a good villain fist shaking. Yep. Or definitely. he looks like a, a guy who's saying, get off my lawn! <laughs> <laughs> your damn kids and your little dog. So for some reason, he, he, uh, he picks up the house, which is amazing to me. This tells me that the foundation and or the entire structure are completely made out of metal, because there's no way you could pick up that thing without doing a whole lot of damage by just using its magnetic, by just using the metal alone in the house. Well, looking at the bottom of the house, too, there's not a lot of connection. It looks like they don't even have a sewer line. Uh, there's a pipe over on the left-hand side, and maybe the yeah, right. Yeah, that's some... not a sewer pipe. I mean, where's the drainage pipe that goes out into the street? Oh, there they... are no toilets in the, the <laughs> X-Mansion, is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking you're right. I think there's just a sewer edge. It just a... goes into a, a pool at the bottom of the mansion. <laughs> that's, like what, that's what comprises the danger room. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm, conf- I'm convinced that there's a series of outhouses out back, basically, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and then he, he Magneto, Magneto, puts the house back down on its foundation, and, and all is well, mm-hmm. somehow reconnects everything. He had a better idea. He said that, you know what, it would be ironic if I used this as my headquarters. And so he, yes, he lowers the house, he enters it, and uh, magnetically picks everything up and puts it back in its spot. All the pipes are reconnected. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting plot device. You yeah. know, he he was about to destroy the house, and basically we get to see the fact that he is that powerful, and then Stanley was like, but uh-huh. guess what? He's not going to destroy the house, and here's why. Mm-hmm. It's kind of smart writing and also kind of silly, but, you know, these are all silly. Because irony is delicious. <laughs> so the uh, Magneto walks up to the Cerebro, and basically, what does he do? He destroys it. Yeah, he destroys with a mighty foom. There's a lot of chest pounding here, like, it must be destroyed, for I am supreme! Well, I would have destroyed it, too. I mean, in the first panel where he enters the room, it's going, That's which is presumably caused by him, which means that it's not going to shut up unless he destroys it. Uh, So, after he destroys Cerebro, he gets distracted by the sound of a car pulling up. Oh, which means that we are actually a few... We're, we're back in time from where we left off in the previous episode. Mm-hmm. The Worthingtons arrive at the door. He gives his I, I am power speech. It's, and, a, uh, it's a lot less foreboding when you see it from his caped side than his, than yeah. his forward side. He actually, it's actually kind of pathetic when you look at it at this angle. You're like, what? Get out of the way, old man. He's doing a lot of fist pumping and hand clutching in all of these panels. He's very dramatic and pointing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he he invites the Worthingtons in. Uh, for some reason, they don't make like the uh, you know like oh looks like we're late for the costume party or I mean, yeah. Just like who are you? They're just pretty casual about it. And then Magneto uses a a power that is a very interesting technique for using his magnetic powers yes his magnetic attraction 
Yeah, does that make any sense to you? He basically mind controls them. There's going to be a lot of things that don't make sense about Magneto's powers in this entire issue, starting with the fact that he lifted an entire house with his magnetic powers, and now he's magnetically hypnotizing people. It, it makes no sense. Okay. I, I don't think... Unless, you know, I mean, the, the, a very simple thing here would have been to uh, magnetically pull out... Uh, um, Warren Worthington the second's pocket watch and dangle it in front of his eyes until they get hypnotized, right? And then we could have right. like some little backstory about, well, you know, before I discovered my magnetic power, I was in the circus. That's why I met the blah, 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 whatever, whatever you want to do there. But but this this little magnetic attraction thing with his eye glinting magnetically makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, and that's another interesting point about Magneto is that we don't have any of his backstory at this point and Mm-hmm. As a result, he is one of the least interesting villains of the X-Men canon thus far. Uh, yes. Not only that, he is yeah, he's completely uh, one-dimensional, too, because as we have no backstory and as we have no real motivation as to why he wants to take over the world, uh, yeah, he, he is just a very cartoony villain. He's like, he's like Boris Badenoff in Rocky and Bullwinkle. He's just evil for the sake of being evil. Except not funny. No, yes, no. He doesn't say moose and squirrel enough. (laughs) So he uh, magnetically hypnotizes them and suggests that they are sleepy, so the Worthingtons go upstairs and go to sleep, presumably. For a very long time. Yes. So uh, then, I uh, like this, Magneto strikes a pose for some reason. <laughs> Talking yeah. about his cape goes flying. He's, he's pretty muscular, too. So wherever he's been for all this time, he's had a set of free weights. He looks like a He-Man action figure. <laughs> well, he looks like one of the skinny He-Man action figures. But, but yeah, still, yeah, I mean, that's, that's still true. pretty muscular. Um... So he's talking about how he hasn't been he he his victory is not complete because he has not yet conquered Iceman. Mhm. And so did we cut to Iceman? Cut who to is still Iceman. Unconscious. Yes. At the hospital. And we're getting ready for the uh what was it the permafrost therapy, the hydrotherapy, some sort of therapy, I can't remember. The sulfa drug. That's right. And the doctor says, quickly, woman, is the new yeah. laser-induced hypodermic ready? Because in order to get into Iceman's skin, they need to pull out this nasty-looking laser. It makes sense to me. This makes sense. I like, and I, look, I like the extra detail that there's actually a face mask built onto the hypodermic that actually looks like a machine gun. But yeah, but then you go down to the panel where they're actually using it, and the doctor gets the face mask, but the nurse just has to turn her head. <laughs> she does take quite a blast to her face. Yes, she does. <laughs> um, with a loud bzzz, he shoots the sulfa drug into Iceman's shoulder through the ice. Yep. Hence the need for really such a leave. powerful hyperdermic. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, I don't know how they know, it, but, but uh, the doctor says, oh, it's, it works. The laser did it. Well, no, he says if it works. Oh. Uh, it, the, the, the hypodermic needle works, so they got the drug into him, but okay. they don't know if the drug is going to work yet. Gotcha. And then he wonders why the X-Men have forsaken him. <laughs> why have the X-Men forsaken poor Iceman? And we fast forward to the professor inside the gondola who has woken up. However, the others are still unconscious. And if you remember, he had his mental brainwave distorter fastened to his scalp in the last issue. 
Right, which knocked him unconscious and also inhibits his powers. Uh, but the professor has a counter ego. Yes, this is part two of this issue makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> which Magneto did not conceive of when he put the mental wave distorter on his head. I don't know what a so, counter ego is. I don't know. Uh, the professor says, my ability to read minds and project my thoughts is due to the counter ego which I possess. Yeah. So that's, and that's good to know. Even now that counter ego is probing the distorter, applying it. Uh, so it's, it's a, it's like a equal and opposite response or something, but mentally. But but I'm, I'm sure not, Stanley had some idea of what it meant. I mean, that's just my guess that I'm throwing out there, but it, none of it makes any sense. Uh, so, uh, so using his mighty counter ego, <laughs> the professor starts increasing pressure on the mental wave distorter and uh, is able to apply enough stress to destroy it with mm-hmm. a mighty kabak. Yes, uh, and, and it's an, I like the uh, panel there. I like the professor's expression as he finally kaboks the uh, the brain shackler, if you will. Yeah, he looks like it's a pretty intense uh, operation. And that's quite that's quite the uh, frowny face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or agony, I don't know. So, yeah, or, that's all it took. It's just a little uh, counter-ego. Um, I think we could all learn a little lesson here, something about ourselves, about, you know, if you just apply a little counter-ego, you can overcome <laughs> even the most impossible set of odds. Yeah, stop using your ego and start using your, <laughs> your counter-ego. Counter <laughs> uh, so then uh, the professor is thinking to himself like he... He does, uh, and uh, wakes up Hank and Gene as they are stirring. He doesn't just wake up Hank and Gene. He wakes them up with the power of his mind, and then he tells them to wake up Cyclops and Angel. (laughs) Now, why didn't he just wake up Cyclops and Angel with the power of his mind? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. As we'll learn in future issues, or even past issues, he can talk to all of the X-Men at the same time mentally. So you're right. It is kind of uh, confusing why he decided to just wake up those two and have them do his dirty work. I mean, maybe his power was lessened and they were the closest. (laughs) Who knows? It would be nice if they told us, but... Yeah, it's all right. none of this makes any sense. But the professor then tells uh, the rest of the X-Men that they're flying in a gondola and they're rising really high and they don't have much time. They all talk about how it was Magneto who's done this to them and he must have figured out how to get away from the stranger. Um, now, the Angel calls Beast a beastie boy. Well, I wonder what... What is Beast doing to Angel in this panel? Looks like he's trying to rip his head off. Were they tied up? Yeah, I up? know. And, and even uh, even Angel says the head is attached. It's not removable. <laughs> I know. It just this panel makes no sense. It's as if it's as if uh, whoever drew this drew it first, and then Stanley came by and re- wrote the words. Like, huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see what we're gonna put here. All right. He's trying to pull off Angel's head. That makes no sense. Let's try to work that into the story. Counter ego. So that makes sense. <laughs> Let me tell you, boys, it's the future. Counter ego. So if you look at the last panel on page six, you'll see them staring out of the window that we saw in the very first panel that looked like it was open. At least here, it's drawn in such a way that it actually looks like a piece of glass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, do you think the Beastie Boys got their name from this issue? That, that very well could be. A young Ad Rock might have been reading this issue and said, You know what? You know what, boy? Yes, yes, yo! Yes, yo. And you don't, you don't stop. stop! Keep it on! on. The sock in the place! Yo. See, hey, I got nothing to prove! Pay attention, my intention is to boss the move! 
So the professor um, it starts uh, talking about how the stranger had taken him to another galaxy forever a few issues ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Forever seems like a long time, and, you know, based on the continuity we've established here, it's like Magneto's been gone for about four days here. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, back at the mansion, uh, Magneto is constructing a machine. Which, uh, apparently he's in the machine shop. Yeah, which has... He's got all these metal parts that he's throwing together. There's all sorts of electronics, wires, metal pieces, tubes, frames, housing, cables, cords, uh... That makes sense for, I guess, the X-Men to stock their own machine parts, I suppose. I mean, the professor's always making, like, intensifiers. Yeah. And so... so, He basically makes a giant machine to create mutants. So, yeah, his... uh, An interesting idea, and I don't know... I'm sure this is exploited more in the future in the in Marvel Universe lore or whatever, but he, the Magneto's plan is to take the genes from the parents of uh, the angel, who supposedly would contain the mutant gene that created Warren, the angel, take that and pull it into his machine, and then somehow be able to incubate new mutants out of those genes. Magneto has so much foresight and so much scientific knowledge that he's able to actually develop some switches and knobs that will control the type of mutation for the mutants that he's going to create. He is a technical genius. A le- again, a lot of this is really goofy and has makes no sense because there's no context behind it. How does he know? I understand he's got fantastic control over magnetic piece, uh, uh, over metal with his magnetism, and that makes sense. If he wants to lift up a car or if he wants to rip a car apart, that all makes sense. But if he wants to assemble a machine that has to be, you know, a precision machine, right, to create mutants, that's gotta, that requires some engineering, some skill, some research. Yeah, Let's say in his backstory that we haven't developed at all, he was an engineer. Well, see, now, some of that might see make that sense. that holds up. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, Although so anyways. What, what engineer has ever been developing a mutant-creating device? This is pretty advanced uh, science fiction we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyways, we uh, go back up to the gondola um, where the professor is instructing Jean to use her kinetic powers to repair them against the atmosphere to push them down somehow. Yeah, basically the same way that she floats herself across, you know, to, to sort of fly. Uh-huh. She, the, the professor is having her push the gondola with her kinetic power downward back to the ground. And she sits there whining, but what if I can't do it, professor? <laughs> Yeah, you know, she's not very confident in a pinch. And Cyclops, ever the leader, it's got to work, Gene. The oxygen can't last in here longer. And Beast, ever the uh, elocutionist, <laughs> thou kids us not, Scotty. Yes. Everybody gets a moment to say something stupid <laughs> in this panel. Yeah, why, why is suddenly uh, Beast speaking in old English Shakespearean? <laughs> he just remembered he's he's got a play that he's uh, still rehearsing for in a couple of weeks. And if he makes <laughs> it out of here, he's going to give it the performance of his life. Yeah. So the professor continues to work out his plan uh, while Marvel Girl focuses her kinetic energy to try to get them to go down. The professor attempts to communicate with uh, with Iceman. Oh, actually, I skipped something. Well, before, he, yeah. before he attempts to communicate with Iceman, 
the professor reaches down to see what Magneto is doing. Yes. And he gets this awesome little shocked look on his face. Like, <gasps> he looks like a fish. Right. Blue? 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 <laughs> I just imagine his mouth doing that fish motion. Sure. I see some gills on his neck, too. Like, if that panel would extend out further. Secondary mutation. <laughs> um, so... So it turns out that the uh, Magneto has, as we know, mm-hmm. has kidnapped Angel's parents. Yeah. Freaks Angel. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, rightly so. But when you t- when you uh, sign on as the X Men, you take some risks. Yeah, yeah. But as a professor, I mean, why not just not tell them that? I don't. I, I think we still have not yet established how or why Magneto knows where the mansion was located. Yes. Okay. Just wanted to be clear on that point. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, moving on. So, uh, Iceman, I'm sorry. So, moving on, the professor contacts uh, Iceman, who is kind of kind of in a coma, kind of passed out, a little delirious maybe, and <laughs> mentally talks to him and says, hey, you got to get up. We need your help. And Iceman knew it all along, of course. Yeah, he's been saying all along, they need my help. They need my help. Um, and so this is the, another problem I have with this is that the professor, I can, I can, I can kind of buy the fact that he can project down cause he knew the location of the hospital and he can say, okay, the hospital in New York, this blah, blah, blah. I'm going to project my thoughts kind of in that direction and I'll talk to Iceman, but he's giving him yeah. detailed instructions like, okay, now get out of your bed. Okay. Go out the window. Now make a slide. Now make it extend all the way to the ground. Uh, well, he also says, I can tell that the sulfa drug has helped you. Oh, he does? Yeah. That's interesting. Well, yeah. Actually, that's very interesting because the only way he could get that information is by either reading the doctor's mind or if somebody had told Iceman this and then the professor read Iceman's mind. But as we've seen, he's been passed out this entire time. Yeah. I mean, mm, it, it, makes it would no have sense. been a little bit better if he said, I, I can sense the that there is a drug running through your body. It seems to be doing its trick. Or even he I knows he knows exactly what kind of drug it is, you know. Or or even I can sense that you're feeling better. Now let's do this thing. Yeah, Something, yeah. Something, anything. And a whole lot less words. But anyways, uh, Iceman makes the slide and slides out the window and, and finally in a first conscious thought, they need me. They really love me. I mean they need me. <laughs> So, uh, the professor tells everybody that he contacted Iceman and that he's on his way and they all uh, talk about their doubts of Iceman. It's great. <laughs> he can't do it. He's just a kid. Iceman's How can he fight Magneto or save us all alone? Right. But, the I don't know. Yeah. But somebody, uh, I'm assuming it's the professor, he explains that while he is the youngest, he is an X-Man. I think it's the professor saying that. And he wants yeah, to know it's how... Yeah, be the professor. He's the only one who's like, hey, are you questioning my training? <laughs> yeah, right. I picked him. He's just too proud to admit that he made a mistake. So he's like, oh, yeah, Iceman's good stuff. Don't worry about him. Um, so we check up on Jean, and Jean has managed to use her power. And, and I was wrong. She's not pushing against the atmosphere. She's pushing... You said it before. She's pushing the floor downward. And she's right. uh, extended her power to the maximum. And the best that it can do is keep the ascent from... Keep it from ascending. But she can't push it down at all. Right. And so... I don't know. The professor... I don't know what... He, he sends a 
probe down to read Magneto's mind? And it's, yeah. In, he, in this he panel? projects his thoughts downward to look, probe the mind. So basically it's like his thoughts are this big, like, bubble. Mm-hmm. Like, like a Metroid from the game Metroid. Sure. It's just a little floaty, blobby thing that goes over and... and you know, concentrates itself around your head. <laughs> yep. And, uh, and sucks all your energy away very quickly. And, and the only way to get them off you is to drop some bombs. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's where the, the connection ends. Oh, okay. But uh, once it's around your head, he's able to read your mind, I suppose. Now, we're going... And as such, uh, the professor is able to read Magneto's backstory and how he escaped from the stranger. Now, this... It brings up another question, because as uh, spoilers, in the future we will learn that Magneto's helmet is designed for only one purpose, and that purpose is to prevent mental or, or psychic uh, invasion into his mind, to keep his thoughts himself. And also, I mean, because the professor, as we've noted before, can control your mind, can wipe your mind, and can influence your thoughts, and can also just communicate with you. That does not appear to be the case here. Well, let's assume he's too far away for that. What? He's he's in a gondola. He's weakened. He's really far away. He can't see Magneto. All he can do is project his thoughts. But he's not projecting his thoughts. He's reading Magneto's mind. Well, no. He says he's projecting his thoughts to probe at the mind of Magneto. That sentence makes no sense. (laughs) (laughs) I'll communicate with you telepathically now. Stop talking. Okay. I am about to project my thoughts downward again, Metroid, to probe at the mind of Magneto himself. Poke, 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 poke. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps by scanning his memory, I can learn how he escaped from the stranger. Yeah, but he's wearing his helmet. And, well, okay. You, well, the helmet doesn't do that now. So apparently whatever material prevents mental uh, intrusion has not yet been developed yet, and Magneto's just wearing this helmet because... Oh, As you know passion. why? Because he's mysterious, because we don't know what his face looks like. Yeah, all we've seen are his crazy eyes. Yeah, all right. His crazy magnetic eyes. I, I find myself strangely attracted to Magneto in these issues. I don't know why. I feel tired. I'm going to go lay down for a while. all right so uh the professor reads magneto's mind or whatever he does he projects some probe somewhere and it hurts a lot (laughs) and uh magneto we see him uh he's like the stranger gave him a castle him and toad a castle it looks like uh and a big yellow brick road to some spaceships (laughs) (laughs) basically magneto has the whole planet to himself and on the planet there's a big castle where he's taken up residence Mm -hmm. and also a bunch of spaceships Mm -hmm. uh it's a graveyard of old spaceships how uh that are all run down and broken Mm -hmm. uh, or so the stranger thinks but magneto with his fantastic engineering skill Mm -hmm. is able to repair them yep yeah, I mean, uh, 1966, I think that they may have had maybe one or two orbit flights. So <laughs> nobody possesses... They never encountered Magneto. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. If they, hey, Eric, uh, could you come down to NASA? We need you to magnetically make us a spaceship. So what I'm trying to say here... Learned that- Go ahead. Go ahead. What I'm trying to say here is that uh, nobody on Earth possesses the knowledge to travel through space, yet Magneto, with his fantastic magnetic powers, is able to repair an alien spaceship. Yeah. 
We also learn of a uh, interesting time discrepancy between this planet and Earth, because Magneto says for months I've endured the humiliation of being the stranger's prisoner. Yeah, well, we could chalk that up to uh, perhaps this planet is you know thirty times smaller than types, Earth and space than Earth. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it spins around its sun or whatever it has a lot quicker, and time goes slower or faster. However, that quantum physics thing works so you could chalk that up exactly. to some science fiction explanation yeah so you know this helps a little bit in, in Magneto's conquest maybe he's built all these things that he had in the last issue to repel the X-Men put them inside of his spaceship maybe he's had months to figure out how to repair the spaceship Maybe he's been maybe making trips back and, and stuff. He's been making trips back and forth. You know, like maybe you know an hour on Earth is like four days on this planet. And so he's when when that little uh, slippery room, the slippery hall, was designed for Beast. He was able to fly back to the planet, get the materials, and fly it back down. And, and you know, yeah, maybe something yeah. like that. So, sure. anyways, uh, <laughs> Magneto says that he'll escape, and the Toad. By the way, I don't know if we've mentioned that the Toad is here, but he is. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> he Toad's says. Here. I knew it, Master. I knew he'd escape. Nobody can imprison Magneto. And then he kicks Toad off the rocket. He's, he built a makeshift ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so... Maybe these spaceships do work. What's that? He he. It looks like he just built a ladder to get into the spaceship. Maybe they did actually do work. Um... Uh, he, he well, knows the atomic piles of these ships are old and useless, useless to anybody. He says, uh, with a hand, with my hand, I can transform the iron gate around the ship into a ladder, which will grant me access to the, blah, blah, blah. As for the atomic power plant, I can activate it by means of my matchless magnetic power. So he can create atomic power using magnets. Eh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah? Right. You buy that? <laughs> Sure. Okay. It's, it's it's about as logical as anything else. <laughs> uh, I would say then that the stranger, for all of his power and for all of uh, the way that he carried himself in issue eleven, is not very smart <laughs> to leave Magneto well, on a planet. Says, the, the very next better. Even the stranger, brilliant and omnipotent as he is, underestimated Magneto's great incalculable power. Or or maybe he was just stupid. No, that's Stanley just writing himself out of a corner. <laughs> this makes no sense, Dan. Uh, wait a minute, I got it. Oh yeah, yeah. The the incalculable power of the Magneto. Moving on. <laughs> and they talk about how Bobby has an advantage that he knows that Magneto is the uh, is the villain. Do we mention that uh, uh, Magneto left so, the Toad back on that prison planet? Oh yeah, he he's taken <laughs> off. Okay, all right. <laughs> um. The other odd thing there is in in uh, previous page, page nine, the professor says, "Try not to speak. We must conserve our oxygen." Yeah, yeah. The, but the professor, who can speak to everybody with his mind, <laughs> the- says out loud the following like three or four huge sentences, and then when somebody responds to him, he says, "Silence, all of you." <laughs> yes. That doesn't make any sense either. He's got the most words of all of these X-Men. Yeah, he's just going on. And apparently, he it seems it sounds like he is describing the events of what happened to the Stranger and Magneto on the planet to the X-Men. 
with the panel that you're not seeing is that Gene is like, Professor, you told us all to be quiet. Why are you talking so much? And he's like, shut up, girl. I like the sound of my own voice. Mm. <laughs> Magneto. Mm. <laughs> so anyways, uh, Iceman is speeding towards the mansion on his ice slide, and now he's mentally talking to Iceman. Maybe he's holding two conversations at once. His counter ego is talking to Iceman, and his forward <laughs> ego is talking to the people with his voice. It, and his projected thoughts are checking out Magneto. I mean, he's a busy guy, man. That's that's multitasking. He's spread thin. He's better than an iPad. So Iceman climbs up with an ice ladder and looks through the window of the mansion and discovers that Magneto is building a device. Iceman's pretty impressed. This is pretty much where I stopped reading the issue, so uh, Adam will take it from here. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'll just chime in whenever I see a goofy-looking picture. Oh, wait, they're all kind of (laughs) goofy-looking. I like Iceman's curious look through the window here. It looks like he's actually spying on, like, a 16-year-old girl who's changing her shirt. (laughs) This is the panel where he's extremely impressed by Magneto. Oh, oh, is that what's going on? He's held in awe by Magneto's strength, so much that he slips and falls off his ladder. Yes. It's pretty Which bad then, for a man made of ice. Yeah. <laughs> Which then falls to the ground, smashes, he does a little Spider-Man, creates an ice web. Which you think would also wings. snap. I mean, come on. Ice is crystalline, right? And listen to, look at that sound effect. Clank! It's really loud, and it's really red, and it's really bold. Magneto- Which they cover for, because they say in the next panel... Wrapped up in his incredible experimentation, he hears nothing. Magneto is so confident of his own security. Oh man, that's mag. That'll be Magneto's downfall. Yep. Look at he's, that. He's, Look at that leg muscle, man. <laughs> Jeez, you could cut that off and throw it on the grill. Throw some barbecue sauce there on for that. Months. He's Good been Lord. working out. I suppose, man. Doing a lot of cardio up there. He's been running up and down that uh, yellow brick road for the last four months. Yeah. Well, the uh, the spaceship was pretty far away, and he didn't want to sleep on the ground nearby it. He wanted to go back to the castle. He fashioned himself a hamster wheel in the uh, spaceship, just ran around yeah. on that. So anyways, uh, he, what, what is he doing in here? Is he making mutants yet? No, he is, uh, well, yes, he, he's building up the energy to the device. Uh, he pulls the switch. He's He's got enough power from the, the, the sleeping Worthingtons. Mm-hmm. And now he is using the power of magnetism, of course, mm-hmm. to create mutants. As you see, they are forming on uh, page 12. They're very ugly, too. You'd think well, that they're, the w- those, are ju- those are just forming. They're very, they're very slow. Oh, okay. That, that one in the front is the clearest one, but he's not finished either. Ah, okay. Well. Um, then he starts grandstanding. Uh, they'll overrun the Earth, conquering all in the name of Magneto. And then the machine goes dead. You would. I, I kind of wonder where like all the matter is coming to create these people. You know, all I see is a bunch I, of S's, and then like what looks like, like little sh- what, what, like little shower heads that are spitting out little mongoloid guys. Yeah, they look like muscles. Remember those muscle guys? Actually, Magneto also looks like a muscle. <laughs> he looks really silly in that fifth panel on page twelve. He's like a wrestler guy. I remember those muscle guys. Those muscle guys were awesome. There was like a brick man, and there was the mohawk man, and oh man, there was all sorts of little mans. I don't think there was any women, though. No women on the muscle planet. I believe they still make them overseas. Get out of here. 
I think so, but I think they're like they're colored or something like that. Hmm. But they were originally a Japanese thing, and and they still are. Okay, cool. Do I some, do some research. I have the uh, Muscle Nintendo game. How's that? I have not played it. <laughs> Anyhow, <clears throat> so the uh, machine fails. Yep, and it turns out that Iceman has created a ice bridge over the top of the Worthingtons, thereby blocking the machine. Uh, why he doesn't just freeze the machine? Don't know. He wants to bring Magneto to him for some reason, and okay, yeah, so- bringing Magneto to him would still be solved if he froze the machine. True enough. So he says, "I've got to halt his mutant machine any way I can," but. I, I- <laughs> He doesn't really... How does he ever know that he's making mutants? I mean, we get the one panel of him looking in at the machine, and then he slips off of his little ice ladder. Nowhere in there is that Magneto saying, My mutants are going to be powerful. Or a big sign that says, Mutant-making machine. Yeah, there's got to be a sign in there somewhere. <laughs> okay, a sign that we didn't see. Machine. Sure. M-M-M. Oh, uh, mutant creation when lit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then, uh, you know what? I bet the professor told him. Whenever you can't explain something, the professor did it. Yeah. Basically, the professor uh, on page ten says there is no more that I can tell you, Iceman. So he's clearly told him everything that he knows about Magneto's plan. We just didn't get to see it on the page. Exactly. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, so um, Magneto hoists himself up on the wall to take a peek through, which is kind of a, this is, it's just another silly looking panel there. He's <laughs> and got. Then he goes around and opens the door. <laughs> he's got huge teeth. Yeah, he can lift up the house, but he can't break down that wall. So he, yeah, maybe he just you know he's like, this is my new mansion here. I don't want to wreck this wall. So he does walk around and open up the door. He starts throwing everything metallic at uh, Iceman. Mm-hmm. Including what looks like some sort of accordion pipe. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but yes. Sure, it's an accordion. A metal accordion. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, Iceman blocks it with his nice little ice shield, which he then turns into a sled. Yeah. Uh, somehow, and <laughs> Magneto is standing wide enough apart that Iceman slides his sled and his entire body underneath Magneto's legs. That's not, just silly. I'm not sure... It seems as though he's trying to escape. But yes, he is. You would think that maybe a better idea. I mean, if he were to aim that at an ankle, he would more than likely break that ankle, don't you think? Well, he's got a plan, and he's sticking to it. All right, so the plan apparently is to go flying down the stairs. Yep, and <laughs> uh, Magneto goes after him, and it turns out that he's created an ice tunnel. Oh, an and ice Magneto tube. slides down the ice tunnel and uh, exits the mansion. The hmm. ice tunnel goes all the way out of the mansion into a uh, ice dome, an igloo, I guess, that mm-hmm. Iceman has created outside of the mansion. There's and, an opening yeah. that Iceman has prepared for himself, mm-hmm. which Magneto then seals. Yes, magnetically. He magnetically seals up the ice. Uh, I'm going to assume that what we don't see is that he magnetically pulls a sewer grate off up or, and, and puts it on top of the ice or something. I don't know. You give these writers, you give Stanley too much credit. I'm trying to make this work, okay? <laughs> All right, fine. <clears throat> uh, and Iceman realizes that he's too too weak after his bout at the hospital, uh, so he doesn't know quite what to do. My question here is, he is, it would appear that his 
abilities are the generation of ice and control of ice. So if he's created an ice dome and an ice slide and an ice sled, presumably he could probably create an opening into his ice dome or an exit, if you will. I don't believe he can manipulate the ice after he creates it, unless it's snow. Hmm. Interesting. I had never considered that. So he can make... Huh. He can... F- hmm. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm speechless. But all right, I, I never actually considered that. So, all right. Good enough. So we fast forward to the X-Men, who are still in their gondola. And apparently... The professor just says, all right, Marvel Girl, you're doing great. We're, we've been stuck at the same place for a really long time now. <laughs> and now it's time that we've almost ran out of oxygen that I'm going to have Cyclops make his move. <laughs> yeah. He had to wait till this very moment, though. Yeah. And just like uh, that one issue uh, in Lucifer's little den of Inferno, it had to be a condensed, pinpointed laser beam shot from his eyes and no possible mistakes blah 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 and of course Cyclops who's got no control over his power whatsoever or so he says every time we talk to him he he does it perfectly and he shoots through a little hole or creates a little hole I guess so you have to imagine that the professor just thought of this just now (laughs) (laughs) the professor's not very smart uh, so what are we doing? Are we what are we release a uh, uh, possible hole in the gas balloon above us? Oh, okay. So he shoots a hole through the gondola, it, and it's a tiny little hole that goes also shoots a hole into the mm-hmm. air balloon that was raising up the gondola, which then slowly starts to lower down to the ground. Um, it's going to oh, crash, oh, but oh. then okay, and this is this is kind of uh, absurd. Uh, the professor who I suppose can only see out the window, right. tells Jean Grey that I need you to use your power to telekinetically stop us from hitting the ground. Mm-hmm. Harness all your energy, all your resolve. Exactly 15 seconds before impact, you'll use your telekinetic power again. Use it as never before. Um, yeah, how are they going to know 15 seconds away from the ground? Uh, sonar. Uh, yeah i don't know Uh, that could have been solved but just by saying when we get close to the ground use your power Uh, yeah i don't know none of this make again none of this makes any sense i mean couldn't we have maybe used uh marvel girl's skill to uh i don't know condense the balloon or expand the balloon or i don't know something other than what she had been doing or was the professor just kind of like playing with her like let's see what the girl can do nah she failed okay now get the men up here let's see what they can do (laughs) i don't know a lot of it doesn't make any sense uh how are they gonna know they're 15 seconds from the ground well you know they're gonna look at the ground and then they're gonna count to seven and multiply by three and then divide that by four and that should give them approximate reading of how close they are to the ground haven't you ever heard that (laughs) formula before they should at least have Beast looking out the window. <laughs> Counting or something. he's probably the only one who could do it. Well, if we multiply but. by pi... No! <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And apparently a few seconds later, Gene stops their fall. 
which is which I, I find that perfectly sound and reasonable. It's just the whole fifteen seconds thing bothers me. Sure, sure. I With mean, the mighty thump. They d- hit. They uh, stop just above the ground. I think the a better other question I have oh. is. Don't they still feel the impact from dropping and stopping? Sure. If she stops them exactly 15 seconds before they hit the ground and it's a dead stop, they're, those are, they're all squished at the bottom of the gondola. Yeah, in, exactly. In my opinion. So how is that any different? <clears throat> my idea, which they didn't use here because they didn't call, would be <laughs> to have, let's pretend that uh, Marvel Girl's tele- telekinetic power is like a balloon and she has very good control when that balloon is, you know, spread at like five foot diameter around her. Well, the professor says expand that out to 500 feet. Now, at 500 feet, she's not going to have very much control, and it's going to be a very soft effect. But as it gets closer to her, the uh, effect would get greater, and so it would act as kind of a soft break. Don't you think? Yeah. That, that, that would have made sense. <laughs> yeah, okay. So might have been hard to explain, but... I just explained it. I guess. All right. So anyways... I, I, I kind of dozed out there for a oh. second. Uh, what? <laughs> Are we done yet? So, I mean, I guess that doesn't have the action-packedness of exactly 15 seconds. Well, the other question is, as they got closer to the ground, how come Angel didn't jump out the window? Because the window's not open, as we'll learn in the coming panel. They're still trapped in the gondola. and oh, it psych- looks like it's open in that first panel. It certainly does, but according to everybody inside, it's not. So Cyclops blasts a hole open. And as we see in the fourth panel, that thing is wrecked. Yeah. I mean, Cyclops had to be doing a lot of blasting to get him out of that thing. And they're in such a hurry to just leave the professor on the ground. <laughs> hey! Uh, whatever, go on. I'll make a diversion or something. Uh, and so they rush into attack, which is kind of uh, kind of crazy, considering the ordeal that they've just uh, just experienced. You know, I think this story would have been a lot more compelling if there had been more of a like a mental. Um, uh, um, what am I trying to say? Like a like a not a breakdown, but a, a more of a mental ex- exploration while they were in the gondola floating upwards. Uh, potentially to their death where they're running out of oxygen maybe it's getting really cold and maybe angel starts losing it and starts freaking out and cyclops is trying to hold the group together and and beast is just kind of blithering away in his little language and the professor is also mentally trying to hold everybody together but maybe a little bit he's slipping too and then we go through this whole thing where they land on the ground i don't know it just seems like it had been a little bit more exciting to do it that way you know what I got from all that? What? You said Russian attack. You remember that game? <laughs> I do. You got to stab the guy. <laughs> Did you ever get past level one? No. That game was hard. That game was really hard. I think I dumped $20 into that game once just trying to get past level one. <laughs> Never did it. Okay, so anyways, they uh, join the fray against uh, Iceman and Magneto. Where uh, Busting through the ice shield or the ice igloo. The ice dome with uh, crunch noise, which is an interesting noise from Cyclops's blaster. Well, well, it's the ice that's crunching. But Magneto you know. says prior to that, he says, "Farewell, Iceman. Within a few seconds, my irresistible magnetic power shall melt you into a crumpled, lifeless wall." The X Men. Oh, he does say that. Uh, cool. How is? Oh, yeah, that's apparently he can melt Iceman. <laughs> uh, is I don't know much about. 
like magnetic heat magnetic heat or magnetism in general other than like positive and negative and things stick to my refrigerator but i mean can't you create uh, an electromagnet that creates heat I mean, that seems like it would make sense but uh that would require maybe a conductor and some additional metal and maybe some stuff spinning around to create the heat and stuff like that would be more interesting if they were just wrestling if if magneto just had him on the ground he's just like curb stomping him and ice was like oh my ice is the only thing that's protecting me that would have been kind of cool but anyways you're right so magnet or uh, cyclops shoots the ice uh another grandstanding speech from magneto as he tells them that uh He's got the advantage because Cyclops has blasted the ice and his power is thereby drained. Um, they he, he does do a little bit of wrestling with Beast. Well, Tele- he, he is able to telekinetically control Beast with the power of magnetism. I say telekinetically, but it's with magnetism. Yeah, another. Uh, the only Maybe thing it's his belt buckle. It's his belt buckle. <laughs> the only thing we can surmise is that the beast uh, served a little time in the military, saw some action, and has a metal spine. <laughs> uh, he punches beast across the face, and uh, he still has Iceman in like a magnetic shield, which is interesting. Yeah, and and I guess he's gotten Iceman down to his like last breaths or something, mm-hmm. and. It, He's basically saying, come any closer, and Iceman gets it. And uh, Iceman nobly offers himself up. Don't worry about me. I'd (laughs) gladly end my life if I could rid the world of Magneto. Yes, he's so selfless. Uh, And then Iceman, or Angel says, shut up. (laughs) uh, Stop trying to impress Gene. Magneto dodges, but it turns out that Angel wasn't actually going for Magneto. He was going for Iceman. Mm-hmm. Grabs Iceman, swings it away, and then in a very interesting panel, Magneto's hands are shooting like electronic lightning bolts or something. Magnetic lightning bolts. Well, no, actually, Adam, it's a magnetic onslaught. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't know. He's quickly, oh, that's it. Duck underneath my deadly attack as I expected you would. So he's shooting. All I need to do is unleash a maximum magnetic volley at the ground itself and you will never rise again. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then the uh, so then Cyclops gets up and, uh, I don't know, he shoots Magneto. Uh, but Magneto dodges it. Mm-hmm. Or he he saw it coming, so he repels it. And the professor, who's still laying on the ground, says, Stop! Don't fight anymore! And you think that next panel, he's totally going to mind wipe Magneto. (laughs) I mean, he might as well at this point, right? Because we we already know that he can project his mind into Magneto's to probe it or whatever. Uh, So why not just be like, you do not know anything about magnetism or mutants, and nor do you want to take over the world. But instead... He projects his mind into the vast, unknown reaches of space and is able to telepathically contact the stranger. As previously, he had told the X-Men while he was in the gondola that he would have to do the most difficult uh, brain technique, mental technique of his life, but he did not explain what it was. Well, this is what it was. He was reaching through all of space 
and locating and notifying the stranger. Yes. Uh, so, therefore, uh, the professor is unbeatable. Pretty much. He has, there are no limits to the professor's powers, and there's actually no need, at this point, in my opinion, for the X-Men, Fantastic Four, or the Avengers, because if any bad force comes to the planet, the professor has the ability to cover the entire planet and all of space to talk to them, potentially mind-wipe them, suggest other things for them to do. It's pretty impressive. He's too powerful. Uh, so... There comes the stranger flying in. Yep. Looking not at all like he did in the previous issue that he was in, but... Yeah, he's kind, kind of, of... like a ghosty lion-type creature. Yeah, yeah. And so then he whisks the... Uh, he whisks a Magneto away. No, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. That's what you would surmise by just looking at that panel. But in fact, Magneto's Magna Car was nearby. Uh-huh. That's Cyclops. And Magneto jumps at his Magna Car and disappears, and the stranger goes after him. That's so also, Magneto, still on the run. That also seems like lazy writing to me. <laughs> we were never once shown the Magna Car in the last two issues. Yep. And not only that, but the Magna Car is apparently as fast as the stream. <laughs> it's very fast because all you see is a pink blur. Who we learned several issues ago was extremely fast. Uh, and so the beast is scratching his head in a very monkey-like pose uh, to find out what's transpiring inside. The discover that the mutants that uh, the mutant machine is still running and uh, they all have to run towards the lever because the first mutant is about to emerge. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a whole big dramatic moment for unknown reasons because, I mean, Magneto's not around, so who cares if the mutant shows up? They can mm. just teach him to be a good guy. But yeah. It's all for naught as Iceman has. Uh, gone to the actual machine and move it away from the Worthingtons. Mm. Yes, and the Worthingtons wake up and they're like, oh, that's the best sleep I've ever had. Mmm. Oh. Yep. Nothing nothing uh, crazy happened at all last night other than a nice night's sleep. And Mrs. Worthington says, I can't remember anything. It seems as though someone simply erased that part of my brain's memory. Mmm. Weird. How? leads... This is interesting. You have a kind of memory or uh, a shadow of a memory of a mind wipe. Hmm. Now we know. Does it, uh, but they weren't mind wipe, where they were hypnotized. No, they were mind wiped by the professor. Does it say I that? I remember what happened. Does it say that somewhere? Uh, well, it says this. Then with the threat finally over, the X-Men set to work with a will, repairing everything repairable and concealing everything else. Uh-huh. That's when Mr. and Mrs. Worthington will finally awake the next morning. I think it's implied, but I guess you could go either way. All right, so it's implied that the, the professor wiped their minds. Okay, so they get up, and uh, Jean Grey, like the uh, uh, good woman she is, has made everybody breakfast. Yep. <laughs> oh, the 60s. <laughs> and uh, The professor is, says, uh, I try to keep them from growing soft and flabby, Mr. Worthington. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, and, and here's another odd thing. Mrs. Worthington says, oh, you've all returned from your field trip. How nice. Which, once again, the Worthingtons went to the mansion thinking they were all on a field trip. Right. Why? why? <laughs> How else could they move the story forward? I guess. So, they yeah. They're just not involved in this whole mutant 
making machine ah but it was it was interesting and exciting weren't you excited no it wasn't this was the worst (laughs) issue yet (laughs) weren't you wasn't your heart pounding the entire time you were watching reading this issue uh stanley was clearly focused on the avengers this month or perhaps the fantastic four or maybe spider-man daredevil any of those other ones i'll be curious to strange I'll be curious or, to see what the uh, letter section looks like uh, in in uh, regards to the return of Magneto. Because I got to be honest, uh, I have read this issue before, years before. Uh, I did not actually read it all the way through in preparation for this episode. But I've always interpreted that blinding flash to mean that the stranger whisked uh, Magneto back to his planet. Uh-huh. Uh I, I, I guess I don't remember reading the Magna Car part, you know, years ago when I read the issue, and I didn't read it this time. So uh, that's kind of kooky, so Magneto is still out there, or it's just kind of a thing. Maybe it's like a little carrot to see what the letters section says. So if everybody's like, oh, the return of Magneto is fantastic, well, then there'll be another asteroid M. Or, oh, Magneto, oh, then they'll be like, oh, and then he went back to space. The end. I am betting that... Um the next time Magneto appears, we will never hear of the stranger. <laughs> There'll be no mention of the stranger at all. Well, yeah. I was doing a little bit of research on uh, the stranger, and he he is uh, he does appear in I think an Avengers issue. I don't know if he appears as a villain or as just a, uh, a reference, but uh, yeah, I think I knew that as well. He doesn't disappear as a Marvel character, but he he doesn't really play much of a part from here on out. He's I, I essentially don't think so. the Beyonder. No, oh, a mistake? <laughs> no, no, I'm just, you know, he's a... Uh, a one-shot, like, here he is, now he's gone. They they would bring him back, but it, it as a different character called the Beyonder. That's my theory. Oh. I mean, I guess I feel that way about all omnipotent-type characters. They all are just... Uh, They're all essentially the Beyonder. Amalgamations of the Beyonder. Hmm. Until the Beyonder shows up. Then they actually are the Beyonder. <laughs> I'm I'm actually a little amazed that they haven't retconned the uh the Beyonder so that he could come back again. Or Q. <laughs> Wait a minute, it's the wrong universe. <laughs> well no, Q was just on uh Torchwood. He was an FBI agent, but now he's dead. Did you see that Torchwood? I did. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> you thought it was terrible? It w- it could have been it would have been so much better if it was six episodes or five episodes. There was way too much crap. Did you like it? I liked the first, I would say, four episodes. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you there. And then about the fifth or the sixth, I was kind of like, all right, come on, come on. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and then I think somewhere around eight or nine, they started adding more plot twists. And then Yeah, I, with the, the whole, like, uh, Angelo or whatever yeah, that guy's name was. Like, that was just like... And then it turned out to have nothing to do with ever, anything. You're right. He had no... Well... The machine below his bed kind of like right. added a clue to the story, but there was Who a cares? lot. Of, there was a lot they of. They could have done that. They could have done that any other way. They could have found some random. They could have been like. Oh, we found a random guy who actually died. Oh, my. And then they could have killed an entire episode that way. Well, two episodes. I mean, there was two episodes dedicated to just the finding of that device thing. Or, I, look, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you, bro. And a visitor was there, too. I like the fact that she was there. So the return of the stranger, the return of Magneto, the leaving behind of the toad. It'll be interesting to see how that all pans out in future issues. Uh, it's almost as bad as the latest Torchwood. <laughs> hey now so <laughs> um 
I've closed the book and I'm not going to open it up again, but I believe... I closed the, mine as well. <laughs> the, I believe that the last panel has promised thrills and adventures and probably the most unusual villain we've ever seen in the next issue. I, for well, one, can hardly unusual, wait. They changed, they changed the from being the most unusual teenagers to the most unusual fighting team. Did they? Yeah. Well, now I'm going to reopen my book because I didn't see any words on the cover of mine. Yeah, it's on the, the opening splash panel at the very top. Oh, okay. The most unusual fighting team of all time. Because before that, they were the most unusual teens of all time. Yeah, okay. And I, the only reason I noticed that is because there's a letter about it in the letters column. Oh, I didn't read the letters column for this particular one. It was the first letter. It's the only one I did read. Oh, because this issue bored me to no end. Look, Honestly, I didn't even finish yeah. reading it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dude, close, close the danger room, please. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so from Adam and Jeremy, uh, the danger room is closed. You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. You never take advice. Someday you 